Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, the big show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. Today, we are in the Red Studio, which is the quietest of our cars, so it's also the newest. So hopefully the road noise isn't too bad, but we're driving uh, southeast at the moment, according to my little thingy in my uh, rearview mirror. And today, we're here to talk about... Scuba candy. <laughs> Scuba diver candy. And you're probably like, what? what? What are you talking about? Scuba diver candy. Well, we'll come back to why it is considered scuba diver candy towards the end of the podcast, at least if we remember to come back to it. But what are we talking about? Pseudoephedrine. Pseudoephedrine, the uh, little red pills. Brand name Pseudoephedrine. Yeah, that's the most common brand name. We're here to talk about the pros and the cons of including pseudoephedrine in your preps. Now, of course, we're going to start out by saying neither one of us are medical doctors. So we do not give medical advice. So this is offered as is no warranty. We can just tell you what we do and what we think on it. And some of the stuff is is more of a social political type discussion around this particular medication. Not that we're going to talk about the politics. No, but we are going to talk about the social political part of it. Yeah. Because there is part a of the big, equation. It's part of what the problem of stocking it for prepping is. So I don't think we've ever really talked about what it is you specifically do i mean we've mentioned it a few times that that uh you're a physiologist and a pathophysiologist yeah i mean that's you know we make how the human body works and does not work is my yeah and and fixing what what causes degree diseases and understanding the diseases and and that kind of stuff yep so yeah that's what she does she is actually but that doesn't mean she is a medical doctor i am not She's not a medical doctor. She's a pathophysiologist. <laughs> not the same thing. Okay. She doesn't prescribe. Except to me. And then it's not with a pad. Yeah, then I just make recommendations and he can yes. follow them or not. He's and she a big gives boy. me the look or not, depending. Because, you know, wife. Wife, yeah. <laughs> okay. So she's pretty up on the What's going on inside the body with Sudafed? And there's a lot of really good things that go on with the drug Sudafed and some really gotchas with the drug, too. There are some potent things that go on that can be good things or bad things, depending on situation. Right. I think they're good because I love this. When I need it, I very rarely use it because I kind of have to watch my blood pressure. And that's one of the and problems. That's one of the problems with it. So, what do I tell them? What pseudoephedrine is basically about? Okay, now we are talking about original pseudoephedrine, not the stuff they not sell. Not phenylephedrine. Not the phenylephedrine. Not a, that's the a same modification, stuff at all. Which actually doesn't work nearly as well. No. <laughs> uh, pseudoephedrine is pseudo is false. Ephedrine is uh, a plant compound that mimics the hormone adrenaline, also known as epinephrine. And we use a neurotransmitter that is very much like adrenaline and does a lot of the same things of adrenaline. It's called norepinephrine as the driver of our stress response. 
So epinephrine and norepinephrine in general drive your short-term stress response. They uh, constrict blood vessels, and they increase your heart rate, and they increase your alertness, and rise, raise your blood pressure, and a bunch of similar things. Right. And pseudoephedrine has a lot of the same effects. It's not exactly the same stuff, but it does have a lot of the same effects. That's yeah. why, you know, if, if you have a person with a mild case of asthma, this is true. Um, if they have a mild case of asthma and they're starting to have a little bit of an advantage, one of the things you can do that doesn't involve drugs is to scare the snot out of them real quick. <laughs> Am I wrong? Uh, the stress response also opens the airways, and asthma is caused by, by an overconstriction of the airways. And it causes an adrenaline hit. I, re- I remember the first time I started to get a little airway constriction because I'd never had it. Yeah, she wasn't really as she's not an asthmatic. No, okay. no. She had a she had a little condition. I had a, a yeah, I had a, uh, a drug problem that kind of triggered it. So here I was. I had just finished some uh, hard exercise and I started to wheeze and have trouble breathing. And I was having to work to pull air into my chest. And then I thought, okay, relax, spice. You know what this is. You can tell perfectly well from the signs. You're just having a bit of an asthma attack. Calm down. No, wait. Don't calm down. Freak out about it. It'll help. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, what is it's mostly used for in um, the medical instance is a decongestant. Because when you... Rest- it uh, reduces secretions from mucous membranes because that's part of the stress response. That's why you get a dry mouth when you get stressed. That's part of it. Um, and it reduces the uh, level of congestion when you constrict the blood vessels to the nasal mucosa up there. So it is a very effective decongestant drug. And that's, in fact, why we call it scuba diver candy because uh, the mucous membranes of not only the nasal cavities but also the eustachian tubes to the ears. Uh, the ears tend to have a hard time when you're scuba diving because you're going up and down a lot in the water column and there's a lot of pressure changes and you have to keep equalizing pressure across your ears. They can get a little irritated and a little swollen and you absolutely cannot afford to have your sinuses close up when you're scuba diving because the pressure changes will do very bad things to you. You'll end up with a bloody mess. <laughs> yeah. So you have to keep those passages open. Taking some uh, Sudafed when you're diving helps keep the congestion and the inflammation and the clogging from happening in the first place. Okay, and it could be very dangerous, too, if you're diving and you're, you're using this to, I'm going to use this Sudafed, and I'm just going to use the, the brand name. I'm going to use the Sudafed to clear up a congested condition so that I can dive. Bad no, idea. Bad absolutely idea. not. Because the stuff off. can wear off. And if it wears off at depth, you can really hurt yourself. So that's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. We never use it that way. We never use it that way, ever. But we do sometimes use it as a prophylactic when there's going to be a lot of moving up and down, and we just don't want the... We don't want the irritation to start up in the first place. I think it would be safe to say that even though we dive in overhead environments quite a bit... Caverns. Caverns. We're... Hyper, super conservative divers. 
that's part of the thing of not dying when you're diving in overhead yeah. environments. We are really super, super, super conservative. We do not stretch the envelope when we're diving. We do so, dangerous things in very safe ways. <laughs> yeah, we do, yeah, we do very dangerous things in very, very safe ways. So, so but this is such a great tool for so many things. And we do keep some ourselves. Yes, we do. But there's a there's a a couple of real kickers. Oh. And the, go right yeah, ahead. maybe three come to mind. Right. One is since it activates the stress response, it increases both alertness and anxiety. Right. So sleep is not really a thing if you're taking a bunch of Sudafed, and, and if you're prone to anxiety and panic attacks, they'll help you get there. Right. And, of course, when you're diving, the last thing you want to do, the very last thing you want to do is have a panic attack. Panic attacks kill you at depth quicker than anything else. They can kill you in any emergency situation quicker than anything else. But diving I wasn't particularly thinking about diving. I was thinking about general people who have are prone to panic attacks when they're in stressful, when life gets stressful. But uh, In fact, that is, that is the reason I took up diving in the first place. Because she wanted to dive, which is fine, but I just did not trust the random stranger on a boat that she would be diving partnered with. with. Because I, I don't know that person. I don't know their, you know, we have friends who we'll dive with, but we know them. We know that they are calm. We know that they're good divers. We know that they follow the same rules that we do. Um. We could tell a story, and I don't know if it's worth telling the story about the, the Hawaii boat. Nah, not here. Okay. Sometimes we'll tell here. a story about the Hawaii boat where we got involved with a panic diver. Fortunately, it wasn't one of our buddies. And boy, let me tell you what, this is something you don't want to have. But you see people panicking every day. You see people, I've seen Lots people, of people have panic, panic Christmas shopping. And it was full blown panic, eyes wide panic. By the inability to buy a toy for their child. It was panic. Real. I mean, the sweat, the whole thing. And I was like, wow. Okay. So that's one of the downsides. Kicker one. Kicker two. Hypertension. Hypertension. It tends to raise blood pressure. So if you tend to have high blood pressure problems, Sudafed is maybe not your go-to answer for decongestion. And the third is... Big brother, frankly, because pseudoephedrine is a starting material for making methamphetamines. Speed, meth, whatever you want to call it. And for years, it's been more than a decade now, when I was this innocent little lamb who didn't know about the drug problem, I remember going to a really sketchy flea market type thing we have in our area, <laughs> and seeing bins we have an article and on bins it, by the way. of Sudafed. Yeah, we have an article on it. And I, I guessed they had just bought out a a shipment that, like, a truck had spilled or something, and they got the shipment for cheap. We're talking about I, bins. I couldn't imagine what anybody wanted with that much Sudafed. Well, they were supplying the local meth meth producers, and meth is a big Didn't thing in rural areas because you need the uh, pseudoephedrine and you need ammonia. And people up here use giant tanks of ammonia's fertilizer. And they have the space to put a stinky old meth lab where the neighbors won't notice. So meth production is a problem in rural areas. Well, 
because it is such a problem, they have tried to stop the problem by can't really stop the using the ammonia as fertilizer thing. So instead, they've worked on the other end of it and, and tried to throttle the pseudoephedrine supply. So it's now extremely hard to get. You have to uh, register and show your IDs when you get it. In some places, you have to have a prescription to get it. And they absolutely keep a record of who buys how much and from where, and different stores will compare and see who's stocking up on the stuff. Right. Because that makes you a suspected meth dealer or they, producer. Like, if I go to buy the stuff and I go into my local Sam's Club, which has a really good price on it, so I'm just letting you know. Um, I go to my Sam's Club. I buy the maximum legal amount because I don't want to do this again. Now, we don't go through very much of this stuff, so I do this very often. Yeah, I mean, we, we really use don't it actually seldom. use that much. Of it, but we like to have some of this in stock. And so I go in there. They take, they run my driver's license, and that goes into a database. And I can't buy meth there or anywhere else. You can't buy pseudoephedrine. Not meth, pseudoephedrine. So you got me thinking about meth. <laughs> I can buy meth anywhere. Uh, <laughs> meth I can find. Anytime I want to buy drugs produced in a bathtub by people who haven't graduated high school, I'll jump right on that. I, w- I have bought exactly as much meth as I want to. Exactly. Okay? Absolutely. <laughs> and if anybody were to look at me, you could tell this is a person who does not use meth. <laughs> <laughs> I have some friends who were ex-tweakers. And I mean, clean now. Clean now. Quite clean. clean now. Oh now. yeah. In fact, uh, they they moved far away from the place where they were tweakers, very wisely because very wisely. avoiding they, triggers of known use is a great way to help yourself stay clean. And in fact, they've turned their lives around. They've become pillars of the community. Yada yada yada. Uh, but you know, and they, they the stories they tell and the pictures from when they were tweakers. Oh, oh my gosh! The, yeah, he, the drug, the uh, arrest pictures. See, they keep their arrest pictures just to remind themselves that we don't want to be here. And they're, they're literally pillars of the community now. Yeah, and everybody absolutely. knows the story. They've told the story. They've told it to everybody, so that you know, this is like, look, this is we are just normal people, and this can happen to. It so. just makes us think they're more awesome for how they've turned their lives around, and they really have. But anyway, we've seen what it can do, and we're not interested. But that is why pseudoephedrine is so hard to buy. And if you buy a bunch of it, you're going to end up in federal databases, and you might end up on a watch list for meth production or something along those lines. Right. So that so that's is a real thing. one of that the major downsides. That is a downsides. real deal. Uh, to me, I'd rather have the drug because I'm. I don't really. Ca- I'm on every federal list there is. I'm sure by now. Because for gun sales. <laughs> to what? Because you've bought guns. Right. Not for gun sales. I don't sell guns. Yeah. I mean, sales of guns yeah. to you is what I, I was thinking there. I usually trade my guns in at the gun shop, even though it's not quite as good a deal as a private sale. I don't want to deal with that private sale thing. I really don't. You know, I'll sell it through a gun shop, and we'll go through the thing, because I don't want to deal with the private sales. I don't want to have a gun coming back on me that I sold to this guy, and he, I, I, I have no interest in that. None. So I'll take the, I'll take a little bit of a hit when it's time to move on from a gun. I'll take guns and trade and then sell them at the gun shop and they'll run the you know because I don't I really don't want to do that. So, but I'm I'm in databases. I buy guns and they say they don't keep track of that. Um, they I know they do keep track of the Sudafed though. They yeah. absolutely keep. That's track the of whole that. point. So if somebody can't buy a maximum amount in one store and then go to another and then go to another. That's why they're doing it. Right. And they admit that's why they're doing it. 
So, so it's a, it's a plus, it's a minus. Now, we need to talk about a couple of other things. Before we leave that idea. We're not really leaving that idea. Okay. If if people know you've got a whole bunch of pseudoephedrine, you are a robbery target. Because people who are drug producers will steal it if they... Absolutely. And also, if they know that you've had surgery recently... Though, you, some you, people you will are, target you, you are, for... They'll target you for the opioids. Oxycodones. It's happening around us all the time. People are, are targeting recent surgery patients. I've been listening to a book on this, and one guy got hooked when he started working for a company that helped people move to senior living. And of course, the seniors had a bunch of old prescriptions lying around. And if it was a current prescription, they'd just lift a few pills. But if it was an old prescription, they would just take the whole bottle, and the the person would never notice, because they'd forgotten about it. And other people, then they moved on to robbing people who they knew had picked up prescriptions lately okay we're gonna i'm just gonna throw this out here uh if you have old drugs that you really need to get rid of don't flush them don't throw them away find out where the no questions asked drug drop off places in your community and they every community and we have one everybody has one yeah. with us it's in the courthouse it's an old mailbox they re they've repurposed you walk in there you drop it in the mailbox and you go. Of course, ours, it's we, safe. We, ours still have our prescription label, so it's not like yeah, it's not much of a secret. We're but... not fooling anybody. But, you know, don't leave old opi- opioids laying around because they, first of all, some of them get really dangerous with age. So They do not age well. They do not age well. So you Don't know. keep them in case you need them later for no. very long at all. But, yeah, like you see a five-year-old bottle of anything, pitch that if it's an opioid. I don't care what it is. Pitch it. It's not safe anymore. Um, although lidocaine just loses effectiveness, many drugs just lose effectiveness. But some the of those opioids, opioids are get really them. bad. Yeah, they. And I don't know which one, so I don't take it. They go away. And I don't. I don't want to make myself more of a, a robbery target than I already am. So that and I don't want to supply those people. That's a bad idea. Okay, now <laughs> let's take a look at similar similar products. First, you've got the. S-E products. That's what... When P-E. 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 That's right. The P-E products. Sudafed. Well, P-E. Yeah. It's not Sudafed. And then there's it's... the generic P-E, because Sudafed's a drug that's been around forever, and, and so it's kind of generic. So, so what uh, they do is they stick a phenyl group onto the main molecule to make phenyl ephedrine instead of pseudoephedrine. Uh, pretty much destroys most of its effectiveness, but makes it no longer a substrate for methamphetamine production. And they sell it because it kind of works or so for the first half hour or so. And then you congest again. So, not a fan. Yeah, and and this is another one that works similar to that. Is the newer formula. This is a different drug, but I'm just going to, since we're on the subject. The newer formulation of the Afrin spray. And uh, they've got two formulations. The old spray. And the new spray. The new spray is garbage. It does not work. I mean, it works for a few minutes, and then it comes right back. Because um, I believe it's a phenylephedrine, too. Yeah. It just doesn't have any lasting power at all. The old spray is another one of these. Man, oxymetazoline. You, you take that stuff, and it will clear up your congestion. But it has a kicker. big kicker on it. It has a huge it, kicker on it. Oxymetazoline is highly effective, but you adapt to it very quickly. 
you get used to the outside source, and you become unable to perform the same functions with your own mechanisms. Which means you take that stuff for a week, and the cold is gone, so you go off it, and you clog up like you're never going to breathe again, and you stay that way for two weeks it's until called, your systems readapt. It's, it's rebound congestion. Rebound congestion. I had this once when I was a kid because I just started. And so I literally put it, kept putting off the day and putting off the day. I'd take it every day. So I got basically hooked on the stuff. And that's not where you want to be. You really don't. When you're having to squirt that stuff in your nose three or four times a day just so you can breathe, no. It turns your nose, your nose turns into... It'll tear up your nasal oh. mucosa. You're a lot more prone to get infections from that route. Just and don't. get that nasty rebound congestion when you do. So... And there's no way basically around that rebound congestion that I've ever heard of. Uh, no, there isn't. I, mean, I love that even, stuff for about three, one dose a day, three days in a row, and then I am done, no matter how yeah, congested a, I'm still. We have a firm, yeah. firm rule on that. If you're, you're up and about during the day... Other stuff will work. Other stuff will work if you're up and about. But sometimes at night, if you just can't sleep and you're so clogged, that's when we'll take it. But we have a firm three-day rule. And we're only taking it once a day, too, which helps. You know, yeah. they, you know, it's a 12-hour spray. But, but we know, don't want the... Really, oh, we really don't want the rebound. Yeah. And you, you, sometimes you got a cold and you're like going into the day three going, uh-oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> But that's usually that ahead. kind of cold don't last that much longer. When I go there, I, that's when I actually go to the Sudafed yes, and accept the fact that I'm not going to sleep very well. Yes. Because breathing and not sleep is better than not sleeping because you're not breathing. Or you could use the, the spice or the salty mixture of it. You're gonna, her eyes <laughs> yeah, are going to rip. Yeah, he takes the uh, Benadryl uh, dihyd- um, diphenhydramine with you the don't Sudafed. Want the, the, you know what, the stink guy I give you there. For me. But actually what happens, though, is I get some of the weirdest dreams when I do that. So you would not believe the dreams I get when I'm on that stuff. The reason he, he does this is because he's congested and can't fall asleep, and I fall asleep and can't see what the heck he's doing when he gets up and grabs the second drug. <laughs> oh, well, she's congested. Oh, this is hilarious. And this, this is just hilarious. It happened to me oh, about three weeks ago. She was congested, and she was snoring so loud, she woke herself up. And she she turns over and looks at me like, what? I'm like, what, what? Said, you are snoring so loud, I cannot sleep. And I'm like, honey, I'm sitting here reading a book. Like, Oops, I hear that. I'm sitting here reading a book. I am not sleeping. That was you that was snoring so loud. You woke yourself up. I okay. deny the which, entire incident because I don't remember Which brings it. us to our other favorite tool, which I love, which is a great tool because it is non-drug. Oh, yeah, the nasal strips. The nasal strips. Those, uh, they've got a, a bendy piece of metal in them and a Band-Aid over the top. You attach the uh, Band-Aid to the sides of your nose. The bendy metal thing wants to flatten out. Not really metal, but it's plastic. Anyway. Some of them have been metal. The first one the, I tore apart was metal. Yeah. These anyway, are not, but. these are plastic, fine, whatever. But the basic idea is the springiness of the little bar pulls the uh, nares, the side of the nostrils, apart. 
and they help you breathe without doing a dang thing drug-wise. Right. Now, I've got a big nose. I actually use two of these things, and I, I set one low on the nose, one high on the nose. The other thing I do, and I make sure because I have, I don't want to say I have oily skin, but I have skin that does produce some oil. Um, if you have dry skin, this is probably not a problem. I'm not like super duper, like ridiculously oily, but mine is more oily than some. So I always make sure that I, I put them on fresh out of the shower and I scrub the heck out of my facial area before I put them on and they stick like super glue to my nose. And it just opens them up. That, that's not true because he can take it off in the morning and still have skin on his nose, but they really they stick. stick well enough. They stick. And that's important. Because sometimes, though, if you don't have your, the oil off your nose, they, they will. The only real caution about these guys is they are not a long-term prep item. There's a, they are a rotating prep item. Right, because they don't the, last all that long. But the, I, we have a whole bunch bad. of them. Yeah, but we just cycle through them. And that's our go-to thing when we're having congestion issues. Because it's non-drug. And every, you know, non-drug is good. Yeah. So. Good, safe answer. Sudafed can be beautiful stuff, but it's got its downsides. It's your call, obviously. But that's some uh, information to help you make the decision. And one thing I'm going to throw in there, because this is no longer commonly available, but there was another thing that that, uh, does work great for uh, congestion, but is something that's no longer available. It was that diet. Uh, that ephedra diet pill stuff. Oh, yeah. They used to have the Metabolife, original formula Metabolife, that, you know, you had people it's lose still in 50 some pounds of those in a week diet. because they're just so lit up on this stuff. Those are uppers. Those are just straight up. But they do. Uppers. Clear your they congestion. De- they decongest you. They raise your blood pressure. That's why they took them off the market. Is yeah, they were the- killing people. They would cause uh, sudden cardiac death in some people, and they would cause blood pressure spikes and actually hypertension it, episodes in others. It was another thing where, you know, they were actually pretty safe when taken as directed, but people didn't take them as directed. They were way... Uh, no, actually, they came out with a combination with another drug that was oh, nasty. Yeah, that's a fen thing? No, that, that's not what I'm talking about. That was just a really horrible thing. I'm talking about just the, the straight ephedra was actually pretty safe if you took it exactly as directed. And exactly as directed was the maximum dose. They started people at their max dose. And, of course, people doubled it up, and there you go. The problem with that as well is ephedra is not a a lab-produced drug. Ephedra right. is an herbal supplement, So there was which no means you FDA. don't know how much you were getting, particularly if you bought from a reputable company. They would do a pretty good job of standardizing how much was in each dose. If you bought from a company that made it on the cheap, you got no idea what's in there. Usually it's too little. Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's additional stuff that's not on the label. It's a mystery grab bag if you buy poor quality herbal supplements. Right, and this is one of the things that, that I think you know we'll come back to some, some more when we talk about herbal supplements, but this is one of the things where, where we're big fans of find a brand that you really trust, that you find useful, and then stick with that brand. Uh, and that brand doesn't necessarily have to be the super fancy ridiculous. We, Hy-Vee is our big grocery store in our area, and the Hy-Vee herbal supplements, whoever they get them from, do a really good job. They seem to be reputable. They seem to be reputable. And they're one of the cheapest ones out there. So it doesn't, you know, but 
we're kind of big fans of once you find something that works for you, stick with that brand because you know the dosing, you know, and they're, if it's a reputable company, they're going to be pretty consistent on how they produce something. Because some of these herbal supplements are really medically potent, and you want to be getting the amount you expect. And the ingredients you expect. Every some time. Of the, it's more common to have less stuff than you expect, and some of the things will have none of the thing, effectively no amount of the effective ingredient. So you're just paying up for a placebo. But in some cases, the companies want their product to work really great, so they stuff in more, and they stuff in additional ingredients to make it be really powerful. But then you're, every drug is a poison in sufficient concentration, and that's what you run into. And even though these aren't marketed as drugs... They're, even they're Your physiology thinks they are. They do. And yes, some of the stuff really, really, really works, but that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending upon the dosage. So just something to keep in mind. Okay, I think we're going to put this one to bed and uh, say goodbye for now. See ya. <laughs>